0: This is The Gathering Ottawa's message podcast, and we've got another great message for you. For information about us, check out thegatheringottawa.com. To get connected, email info at thegatheringottawa.com. And just know that at The Gathering, we exist to connect people to the love of Jesus. So let's get right to it. As new life begins to surface in the spring, the season of Eastertide uh, recalls gospel stories of how the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear what you would have to say to us through your word, through the gospel of John. May you have your way with our minds our hearts, and the way in which we are to love our neighbors. Amen. From the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But they are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the word of the Lord for us today. At the 55th Grammy Awards, uh, the Grammy for Best Collaboration, Uh, went to the hip-hop artists Jay-Z and Kanye West for a track entitled No Church in the Wild. The music video opens up with a young man in an urban context uh, igniting a Molotov cocktail. And this is not a beverage, uh, it's an incendiary weapon. And the man is ready to strike a line of police officers equipped with riot gear. And some music critics call this song an existential rejection of organized religious worship. And through the lyrics of the song and through the videography, um, it tells a story that you have to fight. You have to fight for yourself because there's no one else there, uh, out there that'll fight for you. There's no one out there that'll save you. And the, the song is meant to tell a story of a church that's hiding and powerless to engage the realities of everyday life. The song is called There's No Church in the Wild. And at the beginning of this gospel, John chapter 1, Jesus is described as God becoming flesh and moving into the neighborhood. God engages the wild, so to speak. It's one of the most beautiful distinctives of the Christian faith. Uh, So in light of that reality, how can the people of the Messiah, a God who became incarnate and moved into the neighborhood, be perceived as disengaged with the realities of everyday life, disengaged with hurting people and struggles that we face? So uh, just a brief outline of where we want to go today. We want to talk about how the resurrection of Christ changes everything. Uh, First, we're going to ask, what kind of fears hold you hostage? Second, how does the resurrection impact your life here and now? And third, words alone were not enough to lift these um, disciples. They were paralyzed with grief, paralyzed with fear. Uh, They needed a tangible power and hope. And finally, we're going to talk about the value of what Thomas teaches us. And so first, what fears hold you hostage Verse 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Regent Professor Ross Hastings argues that the church will never be in a worse state than that described in John chapter 20, verse 19. You have to envision the scene. Why are the disciples so afraid that they're hiding behind locked doors? Jesus's ministry threatened the Roman Empire and Jewish religious leadership. People waved palm branches and laid cloaks at Jesus' feet in his triumphal entry. In 2 Kings, this is a sign of declaring allegiance to a new king. And so when you say Jesus is Lord, you're declaring that Caesar isn't, that Herod isn't, right? This is why King Herod and Caesar and later Emperor Nero and Emperor Domitian were threatened by Jesus's lordship. He was a threat to political power, and he was a threat to religious power and abuse. Jesus exposed the abuses of religious scribes, teachers of the law, and Jewish leaders. And so now that Jesus is killed, this group of disciples now have to face the music, right? The Messiah has been crucified, and the disciples had barely escaped arrest in Gethsemane. And now scholars scholars speculate that this passage, they were meeting precisely behind locked doors because they were devising a plan to uh, escape the city without being caught. The disciples at this point are now fugitives. And this is a group of people that knew Jesus best. They were with him. They witnessed his miracles. They sat under the authority of his teaching. Um, they argued Lord, we're never going to deny you. Right? We'll we'll be with you to the end, as people like to say now. They were ride or die. So I'll be your ride and die or die, right? And so Jesus is arrested. He's tried. The Gospels record that uh, at at his when he needed the most, all his disciples fled. They abandoned Jesus. And so keep in mind, this scene, this is after the, the empty tomb. This is after the testimony of Mary Magdalene. This is um, you know, after Peter and John run to the tomb. They're still remaining unconvinced. And you see these stories in the Bible aren't just ancient stories. They're stories about you and me. They're really stories about humanity and us. In Thomas, you can see parts of your own story, your own doubt, your own uncertainty. In Peter, you see your impulsiveness. You see parts where you and I can deny Christ in our speech, in our posture, in our actions. In Judas, you see the ways that you and I can betray Christ out of our desire for greed, our thirst for power, our disordered loves. And in the disciples, we see the ways that we can abandon and we can see our own fears. Jesus sees the disciples in their fullness. He knows their stories. He truly sees them and he knows their fears. He knows what these followers needed. They needed help beyond themselves. And so in light of that, think of all the emotions you've carried into this Easter season, right? Maybe you're thick with grief, dealing with a loss of a loved one. Maybe you're exhausted from the pandemics and aftershocks of this pandemic. Uh, Maybe there's this growing numbness and cynicism about the whole world because of what's happening in the war or relationships are becoming more and more distant from you. These disciples were paralyzed with hopelessness and fear and maybe even regret. And so a question to ask yourself is what are you afraid of? What fears tempt you to hide and cloister Uh, What way might the risen Christ want to speak into your circumstance here and now, today? Know that Jesus sees you. He sees the mess uh, that we live in. He wants to speak uh, to you, even if you're hiding today. And so secondly, how does the resurrection of Jesus impact your circumstances here and now? The scriptures continue. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. So Jesus is there suddenly in spite of locked doors. Uh, He's not just a mere man. He accomplished what he promised. He raised up his temple, his body in three days. And while John 2019 is the darkest moment in church history, the dynamics of seeing the resurrected Jesus ends up changing everything as we see following this John passage Everything is real. Everything that Peter was pondering and wrestling with, what John was starting to believe as he saw the empty tomb, now the disciples know it's real. Um, The women announced that it was real, and now the disciples are starting to really understand that. Jesus is calming their fears and meeting them where no one else is able to. Jesus is bringing shalom, that peace, to the depths of their story alleviating these fears, turning their fear into joy, right? Jesus can go behind those locked doors in your own life. Jesus can go places that our spouses, the people who know us best don't know or can't go, or our parents, if they know us best, they can't go to these depths. Um, no pastor or mentor or psychotherapist can heal what Jesus can heal. And these are great place people to go to, pastor, psychotherapists. Friends, mentors, parents, loved ones are great. And Jesus uses um, them in our story uh, to provide healing for us. It's a gracious gift from God, but Jesus is so much more, right? He can go to these deepest fears. He promises to be with you. Uh, there's no place even behind locked barriers or the places that we uh, suppress or repress um. We can't escape God's presence. He desires to bring healing. Um, And verse 20 says, as he spoke, Jesus shows them his wounds and his hands and his side, and they're filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Their fear turns to joy because Jesus Christ is risen. He's alive. The grave couldn't hold him. Remember, uh, Peter and John went to the tomb themselves. The the women proclaimed the empty tomb. And these things themselves were not enough for the disciples to truly regain their faith. They were still afraid. There wasn't one sermon or one witness. uh, No matter how persuasive, it just couldn't change their minds. It couldn't change their central nervous system. Um, Jesus knew that they needed a power beyond Um, words they needed a hope beyond words they needed a presence beyond words and so for true peace for empowering courage for supernatural wisdom and guidance they needed more And verse 21 says jesus says peace be with you this is the second time again he said peace be with you as the father has sent me so i am sending you and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Jesus is in effect recreating Genesis chapter two, where the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And Jesus breathed his, into his nostrils the ruach, the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The Hebrew word ruach, uh, breath, wind, spirit, it's used interchangeably in all those ways in the Hebrew Bible. And in John chapter 20, Jesus is, in a sense, recreating the human race, a new humanity through the Holy Spirit given to the disciples. Jesus breathed on them. Jesus gave them the breath, the ruach of life, and said to receive the ruach, the Holy Spirit, Jesus sends them to forgive, right? And sometimes I think when we think of forgiveness uh, and atonement in the scriptures, we can get so legal about it that we miss the heart of God. Imagine our children seeing us as just someone who pays their invoices and pays their legal bills and pays their legal fees. A secure child actually has the comfort of knowing that nothing will separate them from the love of their father, the father's love that That their father is with them, that we can be comforted by his goodness, his love, his kindness, his relentless mercy, his justice. We can be comforted in all those ways because we love him. We know we are loved by him. It's more than a legal aspect. It's not just sin management, as Dallas Willard says. Jesus, in in the period of his life known as the Passion, which is the last period of his life, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world can't give. Right? Uh, so don't be troubled or afraid. Through his resurrection from the dead, Christ's victory over death itself, Christ has accomplished on that cross the peace, the reconciliation between a man and God. Uh, and this is like this, he's restoring our friendship with God. And notice that verse 21, he says, uh, shalom again, peace be with you. Biblical scholars explain that since the second impartation of peace is paired with the commission, it means that Jesus' followers are meant to lavish his peace on the world. And so we are to announce God's forgiveness and to be agents of his reconciliation. Um, So there's this vertical component of the reconciliation that God has accomplished between God and man. There's also this horizontal component between humanity and humanity. God is calling us to be a bearer of good news, to restore relationships, um, and to wider justice. And so a question for reflection for you is in what ways is the Holy Spirit calling you to uniquely be a part of that reconciliation between people, right? between tribes of people, between your own unique friendships? Sociologists record that the early church was drawing in children and women who were often overlooked in that culture. Um, They were drawing in Gentiles who were people who were despised by the Jews in that culture. And so this community of peace was drawing people in because they recognized the peace that Christ accomplished for them. And now they are to extend that horizontally to the people around them. Sociologists record that this community of 11 apostles became 120 before Pentecost. And then 5,000 when that happened. And then by Acts 4, there's 7.5 million by the start of the fourth century. That's what's possible with the Holy Spirit. And it's a Trinitarian commission, as the Father has sent me, Uh, Jesus says, I am sending you. And then Jesus Jesus breathes on them with the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, and so that you can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. A trend I've noticed in missional literature suggests that one of the reasons that churches are perceived as ineffective or rendered ineffective is our cultural disconnection, that Christians have pulled themselves away from the world rather than engaging the world redemptively in all areas of human culture. When I was young, I wasn't a Christian uh, in the 90s, and uh, there were bands called Jars of Clay and DC Talk. And I remember that these, these two bands in particular surfaced on Much Music and MTV. And I remember really enjoying songs like Flood or Jesus Freak. And at the time, focus on the family was telling Christians not to support bands like this because they used secular producers from like the Smashing Pumpkins, like Alan Flood or uh, videographers from bands like Nine Inch Nails. And they said, don't support bands like this because they're engaging these secular producers and directors who were the industry standard best at the time. And that's how bands like Jars of Clay and DC Talk were able to reach people like me because their music was excellent and they had better production value. And they engaged culture, they engaged real people who were not attending church, uh, who otherwise wouldn't have given these bands a time of day. And in some sense, that story shows a little bit of a picture how religion itself can stifle creativity and artists in the church. We need to engage the world redemptively. Yes, with secular music producers and people who are excellent in their field. Um, Yes, by being staff at secular universities or civil servants or teachers, Um, you are sent by the triune God into the world, right? Where is the triune God calling you to engage the world redemptively in all areas of culture? How has he uniquely equipped you with your own story, your training, and your gifting? Right? You have a unique gifting and story and something to bring to the world, like Jarzakai in DC Talk back in the 90s. Here in New Creation, we see the Ruach, the breath of God, breathed out Through Jesus, making his new people, uh, his new people, uh, out of the out of disciples through the Holy Spirit, and these disciples are now offering new life to the world. Finally, the value of learning from Thomas in the scriptures. It says he replies, "I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them. Place my hand into the wound in his side." There's something so compelling about Thomas. To me, he seems like uh, just the real disciple who is suited for our time and our generation. Thomas expresses so much of what uh, Christians um, experience so much of the time, right? He expresses what we're always wrestling with. He's doubtful. He's not certain about anything. He has a cue of maybe prayer requests that don't seem to be answered, right? He's like, show me. I need to know for myself. Scripture says eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas is with them. And Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I love that Jesus doesn't ignore Thomas. He doesn't discount what Thomas is feeling. We can unintentionally do that sometimes as Christians. But Jesus invites Thomas to touch his wounds. Right, The people of God have this history of wrestling, and Jesus knows that. From Jacob to the psalmist to the Israelites in exile. They questioned, they wondered, they lamented, they doubted. And it was actually part of their healthy and growing relationship with God. Be honest with yourself, right? When we wrestle and we we doubt, these are all part of our story. These are all part of this evolving relationship of God that each one of us has, Um or the Christ followers have, right? When you walk with God, you're going to experience hardships and you're going to wonder. There's an author James Harnish says, stunned by Jesus' scars, I'm also intrigued by the possibility that the nail scarred Christ meets us when we touch the scars of the wounded places in our own lives. There's a book called The Shack, and the author uh, says, The Shack is this metaphor for the house where we hide our wounds, Uh, the way that the character in the novel tries to hide what he calls the great sadness in his life. The author calls the book a fictional narrative of his own spiritual journey. And when he opened the door of his own shack, he discovered the all-embracing love of the triune God who was with him the entire time. And this happened... And this book, it was the number one bestseller uh, on New York Times for two years. And what happened uh, is this book became the target of Christians at the time. But it was an artistic fictional expression of the love of God. And it resonated with culture deeply. Like Thomas, uh, Jesus invites us to touch his wounds. The wounds of our great high Priest. It's a reminder that he empathizes with our weakness. And not only, can, um, not only that we can open the door of our shack and our wounds and our fears, but we can discover that God was with us the entire time. We can trust the love of God in three persons. The one who has authority over all creation. The one who breathes new life into us. And the one who conquered the grave. Because Christ is risen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in some ways we are like those same fear filled disciples in the ways in which we locked doors. Spirit, would you instill within us the truth that Christ is risen? And that God in three persons meets us here and now in our very circumstances, whatever we may be facing. Holy Spirit, fill your church family with courage to redemptively engage the places that we find ourselves, whether that is home, the marketplace, or the neighborhood. We thank you for the example of Thomas that he had honest questions and honest doubts and you still invited him like you invite us to come and see and to experience, to engage with our great high priest and discover that you are always with us. And so may we go from this place empowered by the spirit to engage culture redemptively. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're back next week with more of our Acts of the Apostles series. Don't forget to check out our website, TheGatheringOttawa.com, and tune in next week to The Gathering Ottawa's message podcast.